This is Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the pastor of Harvest Worship Center in Tryon, Georgia. We'd like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. Every week, we try to broadcast our Sunday morning celebration that begins at 1030. This is the celebration of who Jesus is in our lives. We hope and pray that you will enjoy this message and that God will draw you closer to Him through it. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 19 of 1 Corinthians. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. And we kind of began to build from that and uh, went into how we need to consider the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, the Holy Spirit is more than just excitement. The Holy Spirit is more than just something to, to get you worked up. Um, I've seen a lot of people get worked up emotionally, but yet their walk is not good because they live their life based on what they feel emotionally and what they've experienced from moment to moment in emotion instead of listening to the Lord and walking by faith and not by sight. There are going to be, I know this is a shock to some of you, there are going to be mornings you wake up and you do not feel like you're saved. Amen. There are going to be mornings, guess what? There are mornings that Pastor Phil wakes up and he doesn't feel saved. Um, there, are, there are mornings I wake up and I feel like uh, I'm the furthest person on earth from God. But folks, those are the moments that we walk by faith and not by sight. It's more than just an emotional feeling that God wants. How many of you have been married for over five years? Over five years, raise your hand. You've been married over five years. How many of you realize that, that uh, it's more than emotion to carry you through marriage? It, it, you know, if, if you're looking for the warm fuzzies to keep you together, it's not going to work. I got news for you. They fade. The warm fuzzies fade. And eventually it is the reality of you and that person every single day. Amen? It's the reality of you working and you... Uh, together to make it work and, le- and realizing that it takes God uh, more than anything in both of you, amen, reflecting his love and his spirit in both of your lives. You want a great marriage? Get this right with God and let your partner get that right with God and it's going to be an awesome marriage, amen. But when it's broke here, it's broke here. Amen? And that's on either end. And so I I found if I want to be close to my wife, I want my marriage to be stronger. This has to be stronger in me, and it has to be stronger in her. I can't be the weak link. Look at somebody beside you if you're next to your husband. I say, don't be the weak link. Uh, be, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See God do some great things in your life. Galatians 5, if you have your Bibles and you want to kind of follow along, we're going to read and pick up where we left off a week before last. But it it says this, simply this, Galatians 5, beginning with the 16th verse uh, and the 17th verses says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and uh, and the, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposite to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. In other words, uh, this is mistranslated a lot, thinking that God wants to deprive me. God wants to keep me from having any kind of fun. God wants to keep me from having any kind of good time. I got news for you. God is not out to spoil your good time in life. God is out to amplify your life. And I'm I'm telling you right now, um, we have the, if we are saved, we're on our way to heaven. Why are we all so worked up and upset about everything that comes our way? We should 
shouldn't be. Because guess what? There's things I can control and there's things I can't control. But the only thing I know that I have full control over is my ability to release what I cannot handle to my God and realize even the things I think I can handle, I've got to release to my God. In other words, I have to live a life that is in total surrender to the Holy Spirit. And when I am totally surrendered to Him, then my flesh doesn't creep in. Come on. My flesh doesn't creep in to gratify itself. This flesh will lead you into trouble. Anybody ever been led into trouble by their flesh? Okay, about four of us in the house. Y'all pray for us four. Y'all pray for us four. We're in trouble. But I'm here. your flesh will get you in trouble if you let it. Amen? The flesh has to be checked by the Holy Spirit. That's why he said he's been with you to his disciples, but he said he shall be in you. And when he's in you, he will keep your flesh in check. Come on, how many times have we been about to make a decision or about to do something and you get that little funny feeling that says, maybe I shouldn't go there. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I shouldn't be a part of that group. I'm telling you right now, every time I have overrode that voice in my life, every time I have stepped past that warning in my life, it has allowed me a whole bunch of hurt and a whole bunch of trouble. But when I have listened to the Lord, it never fails. I look back and realize, whoo, thank you Jesus I wasn't there I wasn't with them and I didn't do that because I'd have been right in the middle of the trouble amen God is out for you he is for you the Bible says really plainly if God be for us a few of you read your Bible that's awesome that's awesome To walk in the Spirit means to continue living a life completely dependent and surrendered to the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience, no more than the cross is a one-time experience. Many people think I come to the cross, I get a dab of grace, a little splash of mercy, and I'm good to go. I'm here to tell you, you're buying into a lie. I don't know how many times I've crawled back to Calvary's cross in my life, but I'm so thankful it's there when I need it. I don't know about you, but I've needed Jesus more than just once. More than just once in my life. Amen. The same goes with the Holy Spirit. You need more than just a momentary experience with him. You need more than just a quiver in your liver and a shiver in your spine. The Holy Spirit, guess what? I have watched worldly things and got, got, a, got a shiver up my spine. Amen. Have you? I've watched worldly things. I've been to. I've watched some really well-written theatrical productions and thought, "Wow!" and been overwhelmed by my emotions. But it didn't do anything to change my spirit. See, I can be affected. I'm going to just say this real quickly, and because I think it's so important for you, can be emotional and not spiritual. And I believe there's a lot of people that get emotional, but they never have a life-changing experience with God. I want to tell you, you can come down here and you can cry and you can feel emotion and you can shake and you can even speak in another language if you want to. But if your walk is still crooked when you walk out these doors, something didn't happen that should have happened. God's ready to change our direction and make our lives, our path straight. Because I can be emotional and not spiritual. But I'm here to tell you, you can't be spiritual and not have God deal with your emotion. He's going to deal with your emotion. Amen? Anybody ever been sitting in church and all of a sudden, no reason at all, you start squalling. 
You know, today would be really bad for all the Alabama fans in the house because they might just start crying for no reason. I wiped the tears from Mason's eyes this morning. He knows I did. I did physically walk up and run like that. Poor guy. That's all right. You just live in where we've dwelt for a long time. Welcome to reality. Can't last forever. This earth doesn't last forever. Come on. I can get stirred up in church for the moment and I can get excited over what's said or a drama presentation and I'm not knocking those things. But I'm telling you, I love what Pastor Jim Cimbala says from Brooklyn Tabernacle. He's, he's quoted as saying this. He said, we think that we've had church because somebody has shouted. We think that we have had church because somebody has praised God loudly. He said, but you haven't had church till somebody's life has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, there has to be some change. Look at somebody beside you and say, God wants you to change. Now, if your wife's telling you that, you just smile and say, yes. How many has ever attempted to change someone? How many has succeeded? Honestly, I want to see because I'd love to know what you did. One person changed somebody successfully. Okay. How many has ever realized it takes God to change somebody? It takes God to change somebody. I, I love, I love. you know, if, if I do your wedding, you will go through six weeks of counseling with me. And I don't care who you are. Ask Maddie. I, I've known her since she was three years old. And, and when her and Jacob come to me, six weeks of counseling. I don't care who you are. Because you need some things that, you need to hear some things. Amen? Ask Nikki. I, I shatter your fairy tale. I think she left crying, didn't she, Adam? Every time, where's Adam at? The raptures took place. Anyway, well, we're in trouble. But every, look, we need some reality. And, and, you know, I'm glad about the fairy tale, but we, how many realizes that the fairy tale ends? Anybody been married over five years realizes? Most of the time after a year that the, the fairy tale ends and you, it's hard, it, the real work of marriage begins. The real work of what you're about and what you're going to do and, and, and how you're going to live. Amen. What was cute? Don't it's not cute anymore. Come on. Come on. And if you come into my office saying, Well, I know he's got his faults, but I'm gonna change him. No, you ain't, honey. I know she has this bad habit, but it'll change. I'll change that. No, you won't, mister. It will take the power and the grace of God working on that individual. And I've got news for you. You got more time. You got your hands full with you. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, before you get the log out of, or the, the, the speck, the splinter out of your brother's eye, get the log out of your eye. I think what he was saying is, you've got your hands full with you. Why don't you let God work on you? I wonder if there's anybody in the house would say, I want God to work on my life because I can't change others. I can only let God change me. 
God's ready to do a work in our lives if we'll allow him. The Spirit must continually be a a part of our lives and we must be dependent on him. Why? Because without the Spirit, we are subjected to temptation and we are enticed by this world and we will cave in to those things that will dominate us. I've got news for you. You are not greater than Satan and I am not greater than Satan. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say greater is me that that, that is against the one that is in the world. It says greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I need that he, that Jesus in me in order to fight the devil. Some of us, we're trying to fight him on our own. We're failing miserably. We're giving in to the flesh. We're giving in to the enticements of the world and we're, we're failing miserably. And you know what? God is wanting us to get rid of the mask and the facade this morning and realize that with his help, I love it, for with God, all things are possible. Don't you love that story? When the rich man came and he wanted the rich young ruler to be a, a part of, of the ministry of Jesus, he, or, or not really a part of it, but he wanted to do his contribution and go on. There's so many people like the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, you know, uh, what, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, well, you know, you need to keep the commandments. Anybody in their right mind should have threw up their hands and said, keep the commandments. It's impossible to keep the commandments. It's impossible, God. There's, there's, there's a, Rabbi, I can't do it. Oh, don't you know if he had been that honest, what grace would have been given at that moment by Jesus? But instead, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. Instead, his arrogance and his pride, his flesh, says, mm, which ones? Which ones? By the way, all of them would have been the right answer. But Jesus humors this young man, and he gives him a list, and he gives him the basics. And the young man goes through the list and says, you know what, as a matter of fact, I do all these. I've kept them since I was a young man. I, I'm good. I'm good with the commandments. So Jesus goes to the heart of what was really wrong with the young man's life, and that was pride and greed. And he says, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. The Bible says the young man turns and walks away sorrowful because he had much. He had much. You see, it's not just the wealthy that are turned back. It's the prideful. It's the, it's the arrogant. It's the good looking. It's the, the, the intelligence. They, they walk away because they feel like what they have, they can't release to Jesus. It's theirs. The young man walks away and Jesus says, it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. It'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Being astonished at the words of Jesus, the disciples look at him and they say, there's no hope for anybody. But aren't you glad for the word B-U-T in the Bible? He says, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. Some of us are trying to put the camel through the eye of a needle and we think since we can't get this particular sin through the through the knee, are you following me this morning? Since we can't get victory ourselves then we just have to live with it and God will stamp his rubber stamp of grace upon it and God's saying no for what was impossible with Phil is possible with me for what you couldn't do Phil I can do what you have looked at in frustration you can I love the way that Max Licato states it. He says, it's impossible to go up Mount Everest with a picnic basket and a walking stick. It's impossible to swim the entire Atlantic Ocean. 
but only a God would do for his children what they could not do for themselves. I'm here to tell you, we have great grace, great mercy, and we have a God that says, I'll put the camel through the eye of the needle for you. I'll rescue you. I can do all things, Phil. I can do all things. So why do we limit the power of this great spirit of God? Maybe we can say it this way, that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives allows us to live the most effective life that we can for God. The power of the Holy Spirit amplifies our life to be effective for God. In other words, what sort of power am I referring to? Power to be an effective witness. That's found in Acts 1 and 8. But you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. What is he saying? He's saying you will get power, but not power so you get stirred up. Not power so you can shout down the walls. You will get power so that you might go into a lost and dying world and be the witness I have called you to be. You are part of a story. I am part of a story. That story is woven through the text that we read known as the Word of God, the Bible today. But the story didn't end with the Bible. You see that after the last soul recorded in the Bible was saved and it was written in these pages, there were many unwritten words, many things that were never written in the Bible. I wonder about that soul that was saved after the last recorded soul was given to Jesus in the Word. What are you saying? How many of us are a part of that great gospel, that great truth, that good news of Jesus? Well, I'll tell you I am, because at the age of eight, I knelt at an altar between my mom and my dad, and I was a sinner, but God came up a son, adopted into the family of God. I'm here to tell you, where did you come? come to know Jesus? When did you give your heart to Jesus? You stand alongside a great tale, a great story of the love of God for a lost and dying world. It began in Genesis and it will not end till the final rapture takes place and the final judgment takes place. What is the Bible? Some look at it as a list of bad untruth. They have rules and regulations. What a sad reality they live in. What a sad untruth they have bought into because the devil has filled them full of lies. This is not a book of restrictions in life. This is a book of liberty in life. It sets me free. It's the word of God that Satan kneels before, not the words of me or you, but it is God's holy word applied in my heart, written in my mind, written in my spirit. I'm here to tell you God's ready for you to be filled up, overflowing, and being being overflowing with the word of truth to this world. Somebody better praise God this morning. I'm telling you, God's ready to do something for you. Why is it important for us to be effective witnesses? Because everything we've been challenged to be, everything we've been challenged to do depends on the infilling of the Spirit to carry it out. In other words, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, you ought to know this by heart, but it says, Go to the disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. What is he saying to them? He's giving to them an impossible task. Let's break it into terms that maybe you and I can understand this morning. If Jesus was standing here, he would look at us and he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all of Chattooga County. 
Not just your family, not just your best friends, but all of Chattooga County. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to deserve all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I know we've got a few people in here today, but think about that challenge. Let's just make it localized to our community, our county. Anywhere from 24 to 26,000 people that, you know, everybody belongs to a church around here, but nobody goes to one. That's just the truth. I belong to such and such. I belong to such and such. Boy, if a lot of these churches would quit letting them belong, they might realize they need Jesus. I'd hate to know that, that I just belong somewhere, but I don't even care to go there. Amen? I want a family. How about you? Amen? I want a family. I need a family. I need people that's got my back in this church. How about you? How many of you want somebody to pray for you and, and not just say, hey, I, I don't know who to call on? That's one of the things I've asked some of these. Well, I belong to such and such. I'll say, who's the pastor there? Uh, I, I don't know. They've had several. Well, when, when you need prayer, who do you call on? Well, well, no one. You see, they're orphans. They don't have a family. I'm here to tell you, think of that challenge. 24 to 26,000, all of us, God's saying, you. Take your finger, point to yourself this morning and say, me. Go to this entire county, win them. Make them disciples. You, you do it. Personalize it because that's what he did. <laughs> Don't you know somebody wanted to raise their hand and say, uh, the world's a big place if you haven't noticed. They didn't even get a chance because even as he was saying these words, he began to ascend into the heavens. He said, you just go and you wait on the Spirit because he's coming and he's going to empower you to do the impossible. How many of you are facing some impossible things in your life today? Impossible situations in your life today. You need power greater than yourself. I need power greater than myself. My friend, God sent it on the day of Pentecost. And the church was empowered to do what? To get up and shout? That might be an expression of it. But I love it because the greatest part of Pentecost was not the shouting. It was when Peter stilled everybody and says, calm down. I got to tell you what's happened because you're misunderstanding what God's doing here. These men aren't drunk as you think they are. But this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And Peter preaches one of the most powerful messages of Jesus that has ever been preached. And the Bible says thousands came to know Jesus that day. Oh, what would happen, church, if we would surrender to the Holy Spirit this morning and we would allow him to empower us? How would our jobs change? How would our schools change? How would our workplaces change? If God was full of us, how would our families change? If all of a sudden, this God we feel in this room, we realize isn't just specialized to a room or a location or a church name but it is everywhere where every believer that wants it can have it and he's saying I want to expand your territory I want to take you out of your comfort zone I'm not comfortable telling people about Jesus guess what a lot of these people Jesus was challenging to share the message they weren't comfortable with it either but the Holy Spirit brings boldness to us it brings courage to us 
and it helps us do what we don't have the courage to do. A lot of times people see me get up and, and preach, and, and I've had people ask me this, especially younger ministers, and they, they say, wow, you, you, you get up and you have confidence when you get up. They don't even realize. I'm just a shy boy that would hide behind his mama. I'm just a kid that barely had his voice. I want you to know something. Anything that I do has to be in the Holy Spirit or I fail miserably. This morning, my knees are knocking. You may not see them, but they're knocking because I have nothing to offer to you this morning. But I'm here to tell you, this God of wonder, this God of majesty, this God that can do all things, he doesn't just dwell in heaven, he dwells in me. And he is here to say to you this morning through this vessel, you need the Holy Spirit to empower you to carry the gospel to carry the gospel to this world, to give you courage to forgive those that you haven't been able to forgive. You may not want to believe this, but there ain't nobody worth your soul. You just don't know how bad they did me wrong. Well, isn't it the ultimate for them to actually let you go to hell because of you not being able to let go of it? I've been done wrong in my life probably done wrong again sometime down the road, but I'm going to tell you this. My God has never done me wrong. My God has never played a trick on me. My God has never hurt me. My God has always offered a help and an anointing and a strength to face whatever comes my way. And guess what? That's not because I'm a pastor. That's because I'm a child of him. Amen. The Holy Spirit allows us to effectively share our faith with others so that they can find this life-changing faith for themselves. In other words, I am so thankful for what God has done in the apostles' lives. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for the stories we read? Aren't you thankful for the road of Damascus? Because without the road of Damascus experience, Paul would have continued his persecution against the church, probably ended up dying because God will only tolerate so much with people messing with his kids. But you see, where, where the world saw a tyrant, God saw uh, an apostle. <laughs> Amen? Think about that. I'm so thankful for that story. I'm so thankful for Peter's conversion. Aren't you thankful for that? That Jesus told him, said, you're going to deny me three times, but after you repent, after you get back right where you're supposed to be, go strengthen your brothers. Go take care of your brothers. It's going to need you. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the story of the Ethiopian man and the, and the woman Lydia in the Bible in Macedonia, who, who, the jailer in, 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 that, that was saved because at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas, even though they were beaten and chained and put in the inner prison, they still went on worshiping God. What causes you to do stuff like that? It's not being crazy about Jesus. It's called the Holy Spirit rising up in you, saying, greater is he that's in you. I know you don't know what tomorrow holds. I know, Paul, I know, Silas, you're not sure whether you're going to escape this situation or not, but guess what? You can worship me in the moment, and I'll give you strength to get through it. And when they did, the Bible says that the jailer was going to kill himself. He, I'm thankful for the story of the jailer's conversion, aren't you? I'm thankful for that. But the truth is, I'm also thankful for the conversion and the change of many of you in this room when you have shared your testimony with me and you've shared your testimony with others of how Jesus came into your dark world, how Jesus came into your life and transformed you 
I'm here to tell you the world is appreciative of what the, what the Bible says and, and the people that were changed by Jesus in the Bible. But I'm here to tell you, you're the only Bible some people will ever read. What are they reading? What are they reading? What, what are they reading in my life? Are they hearing the gospel change in my life? Are they seeing where Jesus changed me? Or do they know I just go to church? Can they tell me apart from this world? Or do I look like everybody else? I fit in like everybody else. Oh, you're just wanting everybody to be freaks. Oh, God help us. I'm not talking about some crazy weirdo stuff. I'm talking about what happens when you've been alone with God. Mm. Let me tell you the difference. The Bible says Moses would deal with God face to face as a man speaks to his friend, Exodus chapter 33. Beautiful, my favorite verse in Exodus. And Moses spake to, to God face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Isn't that amazing? Face to face with God. But when Moses would have these encounters, sometimes when Moses would leave those encounters, he had been in the presence of this divine, holy awesome God. When he left there, there was a remnant of the holiness of God reflective upon him. One time coming off the mountain, it was so great the people could not stand to look upon his face for he had been with the Lord, the Bible says. So they veiled his face because the glory was so great upon his face. What are you saying? I'm saying it's time for the church to get in a place with God and in the presence of God that when we leave this place, the smell of God is on us. The breath of God has been upon us. The, the holiness of God is in us. Not that the world looks and says, oh, look, that's just an old Jesus freak crazy person. I know who you're thinking about, Amanda. Pray for him. <laughs> Joke. I'm not talking about somebody that, that works to stand out. I'm talking about somebody that's been alone with God and you can tell. Come on. Uh, have you ever been around somebody that's been in the presence of God? Even though it's kind of fearful, you want to be closer to them? Come on. If you haven't, God help us. We've got to get somewhere. But there are people I know, they spend so much time with God. When I'm around them, I don't want to get away from them. I want to take them into me. How many of you like a hypocrite? Nobody? Wow. No, none of us like a, a con artist or a hypocrite. Nobody does. Anybody like to be lied to? And I'll give you the, ki the kitchen sink to help you if you're genuinely neat, but you lie to me, buddy, you have crossed into dangerous territory. I don't like to be lied to. I, the truth can be ugly, but I'd rather see the ugliness of truth than the, the prettiness of a lie veiling the truth. Come on. Covering it. God is ready to do an amazing thing in your life but it's going to take an encounter with the Holy Spirit to where all of the phoniness that I have and the phone... Mm. Because the truth, of the, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, everybody in this room was made of the same material, dust. 
And dust is worthless. Dust, guess what? The majority of dust in your house is dead skin cells. The, the rest of the dust is made up of dust mite droppings. I know, that's gross, ain't it? Next time you're dusting, there's a little bit of page, a little bit of painting, a little bit. There's Grandma over there. You know, there goes. You're welcome. Take that bit of information home. You know, the sad truth is, some of y'all, that's all you're going to remember. Help me, Jesus. But we're all made of dust. Everybody in this room. Corinthians says this. For we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This is my favorite thing to do with this verse. Look at somebody beside you and say, you know what you are? A dirt bag. (laughs) You're calling people dirt bags at church. Thank you. Shame on you. The altar's open. Seriously, you're all made of the same stuff. I'm made of the same stuff. We're all made of dust. We're all, but Paul said, inside that clay, inside there is treasure. God put it there. It's a living soul. A soul that that is alive, a soul that needs Jesus, a soul that cannot thrive on fleshly things. It thrives on the things of God. I'm here to tell you right now, what your flesh cannot produce, your flesh can never produce anything to fulfill the Spirit. It can't. Only the Spirit can feed the Spirit. And how that happens is the Holy Spirit says, I'm ready to dwell in you. I'm ready to walk with you. I'm ready for the deep to call the deep. I'm ready for change to come into your life. And here it is. Jesus on the inside. Working on the outside. We get it backwards. I got to quit all my bad habits and then Jesus will love me. Jesus says, why don't you just love me and we'll work on the bad habits. Why don't you just give me everything that you have of your soul and be amazed at what I can do on the outside as we walk together. Amen? Will you stand? You see, when we begin to release the Spirit, we untame The Spirit. We allow this untamable Spirit to be unleashed in our lives and we allow God to change us. Fifty days after the words were spoken in Acts 1, the Holy Spirit came in power, filling a room where the disciples were gathered, bring over them in cloven tongues of fire, speaking through them in other tongues. After that, immediately they hit the streets to proclaim the word of God, to proclaim the gospel. The message of Acts chapter 2 was not the comforter has come or the helper is here. The message of Acts chapter 2 was where we once ran and hid as you took our Savior to be judged and tried and crucified. Now we stand in boldness where we once cowered in fear in the garden and ran away. Now we stand in boldness. Same men. What should you think about it? These are the same men that scattered. 
These are the same men that ran away when they came to arrest Jesus. Now they stand in boldness proclaiming Jesus. What had changed? Well, they saw him resurrected. That'll do something to you, yes. But you see, several days had passed since his resurrection and his ascension. Now they stand in this upper room following God's instruction. Go and wait. You see, because Jesus knew unless they were empowered by the Spirit, when their lives were threatened, they would run again. When their families were threatened, they would run again. When temptation came, they would give in again and again and again. Jesus knew that. He said, you see, because I know who you are and I love you, I'm sending a helper. So go wait for him. And this same man, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, now stands on the porch of Solomon, Solomon's porch, and proclaims to several thousand, this Jesus whom you crucified is alive. With boldness, he says it. Not boldness from see some of us we can't live Jesus at our school we can't live Jesus at our jobs we can't leave Jesus live Jesus at our colleges or our workplaces we leave Jesus here and we go and we do our thing there and then we come back and we pick him up here and the reason we can't do that is because we need the boldness of the spirit to fill us this morning so that when we walk out we can boldly say I am what I am if you don't like it you don't like it but I belong to Jesus he saved me he's changed my life and I want you to know he'll do the same for So this morning, my challenge is, will we present our bodies a living sacrifice? Will we give all to Him? Will we live a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Or will we continue to be pulled in multiple directions? Somebody God's dealing with and you need to move. What about everybody in this room? They got to answer to God for their own decision this morning. You got to answer to God for yours. Will you come? I'm not going to le- I'm not going to drag this out this morning. I don't feel like it's one of those drag I think it's either you're ready or you're not. You're ready to step out and let God fill you and give you boldness. But I'm telling you, if you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, he's ready for you to begin to realize the helper is here. The comforter is here. The boldness giver is here. There's some others. You need to move. Come on. You need to move this morning. Come on. You need to move this morning. Come on. Come on. There's some others need to move. Something the Lord spoke to me this morning is some of us We get bold with God and we get surrendered only during times of crisis in our life. I'm here to tell you, whether you know it or not, you're in a crisis all the time. Life is a crisis. This world is in a crisis. This country is in a crisis. 
and it's time for the church to be what they were called to be, the redeemed of the Lord. Standing up in boldness saying, come journey, journey with us to this place called heaven. Come be a part of the family that is not just together in word, but they're together in unity of the Spirit. There's some others you need to move right now. Come on. Some of us, we're struggling. We're struggling to be that witness when we leave here. God's ready to give us. Oh, I'm embarrassed. Good gracious, don't be embarrassed. Come get strength. Don't let the devil lie to you this morning. Come on. Come on. There's some others you need to make you move right now. On behalf of Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for listening and worshiping with us today. For more information, please visit our website at tryinhwc.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We would also like to invite you to come and experience the presence of the Lord with us in person. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. Our morning celebration and evening celebrations are every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night is Worship in the Word Night. We have classes for every age beginning at 7 p.m. We look forward to meeting you.